Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I'd like to read a, a psalm this morning, or at least a couple of verses of a psalm. And if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Psalm 127, and then uh, maybe put a marker at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, is where we're going to spend a, a little chunk of time this morning. Uh, psalm 127, the first couple of verses read, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. So this opening couple verses of this psalm reference a building, reference a structure getting built. And when we look around our, our community, even here today, we see that there's buildings going up all over the place. Over here by the, um, the hotel, there's apartment buildings going up. There's a building over here. It seems like everywhere we look around Pulaski, at least, and into the Green Bay area, there's dirt getting pushed around, and, and, and there's foundations getting put in and buildings going up. And the foundation to a building is so critical for that building to last and for it to stand. You know, when we, when we built this back in 2013, they, they dug a, a, a big um, channel, I guess, in the dirt, and, and it was very deep, and down in that channel, they, they put the footings down with concrete, and then they put a frost wall, and there was, there was several feet of concrete all around the perimeter of this building and in key areas where there's supports, and and we've got a lot of video footage of that, too, and pictures. And you could just see well below the surface, there's something solid. And from that foundation, we can build up. And we can expect the walls to stand. We can expect things to hold up. And, and in this passage of Scripture, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. So, in other words, it's not going to last. And when we look at buildings, this is a picture of our lives. You see, when we look at, at how are we building our lives, if we're looking at our lives as a, as a temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit, a temple for God to be glorified, and how are we building up our lives? You see, when we think of this, oftentimes we, we build our lives, or the tendency, as I should say, is determined by our upbringing. It's determined by our indoctrination, what we believe theologically. It's it's about what we've experienced, and, and people look to many different things for building materials. And when we look at our lives, many people will, will look to their personal things. They'll look to their paychecks, and they say, my paycheck is what I build my life on. Others will look at different talents or abilities or skills that they have, and they say, you know what, my skill set is really my life. That's the foundation, that's the wall, that's the structure of what I am building. I am building my life, but it's based on my talents or my ability to fix something, my ability to analyze something, my ability to, to sing, my ability to, to play, my, my, uh, my portfolio, my education. You see, we each have different things that we build our lives on. And God is saying here, I want you to build your life on me. You see, if we're wondering if we're building our life on on a solid foundation, I would just challenge you to say, to ask yourself, what is it in your life that is your greatest strength? When people look at you, if I ask somebody that, hey, tell me about Ken, what is, what is Ken's greatest asset? What is his, his greatest strength? What would they say? 
And you see, we could, each and every one of us, we could ask ourselves, what is the, the thing in my life that it was, if it was removed from me, would my life would crumble? So if you were a singer and your voice went out or you had a voice problem, you would say, well, that would be the worst case scenario because my voice is my platform. It's what I build my life upon. And if you're a model, well, then, of course, it's your looks. And if you're a, an athlete, it's your ability to, 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 to do athletic abilities. And so the question is, the, uh, is, what are we building our lives on? The Lord says here that if, unless he is, is part of it, it's, it's in vain. We're building nothing. And he said, and, and he who guards the city, you're guarding it in vain. In other words, you're trying to protect yourself from outside sources. And he said, if I'm not in it, it it's worthless. And he says, so, so what we see here is, is the world's ways is to try harder, to, to, to work longer, to make something happen, which leads to what? It leads to pressure. It leads to, to stress. It leads to feelings of being overwhelmed. Anybody relate to what I'm saying at all? Like we're saying, i got to make things happen. And so we push and we push and we push. And here the Word says, it is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late. And friends, do you know that I'm all about a good work ethic? And this isn't about a work ethic. This is about, about striving for something to make a name for ourselves, to build something up. And he says here this promise that he gives his beloved sleep. You see, the enemy of our souls wants us to, to believe that our walk with God and our, the building of our lives is totally dependent on us. That we need to make something happen in our own strength and, and it's in our own wisdom, it's in our own in, ingenuity, and it's our own creativity that we make something of ourselves. And I know at commencement uh, speeches when people are graduating, you get up there and, and every, you're looking at a sea of people who are graduating and they said, believe in yourself. And, and I get that. It's like a pep rally. It's like a words of encouragement. Like you are in charge of your own destiny and work hard and you will succeed and play your cards right and it's going to fall into place. And, and yet really that doesn't completely line up with God's word. He's saying unless the Lord does it, it's going to fail. And, and we see a, just a, 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 an amazing picture of this in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. You see, the enemy of our souls wants us to believe that it's in our strength that we make something happen. And he knows that will leave us burnt out. It will waste our lives. And it will rip off the kingdom of God and us individually. And so in, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul sets aside about a chapter, a whole chapter. He writes to Christians. He's writing to believers like we are today. People who are following Christ and, and how they're building their lives. And so there's a, a chunk of Scripture where he addresses this. How are you building your lives? What is the foundation you're building on? And what does it look like? And so I, this is really, I believe, applicable for us today. And I believe the Lord has something out of this, this chapter in 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting with verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal, in other words, fleshly. For where there is envy and strife and divisions, among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? In other words, he's saying, we're better than that. He's saying, you guys are better than that. You're acting like mere men. 
Like, where's the Spirit of God in this? And he goes on to say, for one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos. He says, when you're saying it, are, are you not carnal? You see, the Apostle Paul, he's the one who came to this city to begin with on his missionary trips. And he told these people in the city of Corinth about Jesus. And there was also, and he stayed there. I believe the Scripture says he was there about a year and a half. And so he, he invested into these people. And Apollos was another person who came and invested into these people. And the people started gravitating towards, well, I like Paul. And others were saying, well, I like Apollos. And, and aren't you just so thrilled that in today's generation there's no divisions within churches and within Christianity? Right? What are there, like 8,000 different denominations, right, and growing? You see, this is nothing new. When we look at our culture and we say, wow, it's like the church is just exploding with division and, and, and it's just something new. It's nothing new. It's in the Word of God. Here in this church 2,000 years ago, they were, they were saying, well, I'm for Paul. What was Paul all about? Was, and, and we see this in our day and age. Some people are so about grace, the grace of God, and that's all they preach. And there's churches that are just filled with, oh, the grace of God, and, and it's way overboard. And on the other side of the spectrum, there's people who say, the law, what does the Word of God say? What is, what is the law? We can't ignore the law. And so they go way overboard in legalism. And see, there's, this was going on in this day. Some people are all about the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God verse by verse by verse and what's the Hebrew and, and the Greek and the definitions and all the background. And, and let's just fill our brains with information from the Word. And others say, no, 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 it's about the Spirit. It's not about the Word. It's about the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit saying? And friends, we need a balance. Amen? We need both. We need the Word and the Spirit. And so Paul was saying, don't try to nitpick and pull and build your life on, on either me or this other person. And he goes on to say in verse 5, he said, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. In other words, he says, we were the mailman. We weren't the mail. We were, we were messengers. We weren't the message, though. He said, I planted, this is Paul writing, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Verse 8, now he who plants and he who waters are one. Okay? He said, he who plants and he who waters are one. In other words, he's painting this picture that there's, there's one purpose. There's one goal. There's one objective. And yet he's using different functions. He says one plants and the other waters. So the one who's planting is doing something different than the one who's watering. But he says we're one. So what does that look like in our culture? Well, there's people up here playing instruments and there's people watching toddlers right now. We're one but doing different functions within the body. The Word of God explains His church, describes His church as a body. Many parts, right? And the parts do different things. And the, but they serve the function, they serve the head. Jesus is the head of the body. Are we, are we clicking on the same page here? So he's saying, he's, saying there's, he's saying each one, the one who plants and one whose waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are fellow, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. 
So Paul is saying that, yeah, I and, and Apollos, we each played a role in seeing you come to Christ. I planted, he watered, but God gave the increase. And so in other words, he's making it very clear that the Holy Spirit is the one who did the transformation. You see, how many of y'all can remember before you came to Christ of people telling you about Jesus? In other words, planting seeds. Just a show of hands. How many of y'all remember? See, so you look around and you say, you know, people were, God was putting people into your path. And maybe you were, you were planting, they were planting seeds and they were sharing with you things of the Lord and it started to pique your interest. That's how the Holy Spirit works. But it's the Holy Spirit at work and so that's why it's so important that we're obedient to the promptings of the Spirit. Right? So when we're obedient to the promptings of the Spirit and we touch somebody's life, we, we encourage them, we pray for them, we, we, we bring healing into their life, we, we speak truth into them. That is being obedient to the Holy Spirit and we're planting strategic seeds. And sometimes the harvest is, is wonderful to be on the end and you just pick the fruit that's ripe. But we have to understand that, we're all, that God works in different ways and through different people. And this is how we are built up. He goes on to say in verse 10, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise builder, I have laid the foundation. The, now this is Paul writing. The foundation that he laid was the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ crucified. He explained to them that Jesus came and he paid for the sins of the world. That he died on the cross for you, the forgiveness of your sins, for the healing of your body. And he rose again. He's victorious. He's alive and, he, and he's the judge of the world. And so this is the platform. This is the foundation that Paul established. And he says, so I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. Okay, so the foundation has been laid, Paul says, but another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. He says, take heed. In other words, be careful how you build on the foundation. You see, we could have the foundation to a building and, and we could say, okay, now go build it. Go build the building. The foundation's established. And he's saying, be really careful how you, how you build on this foundation. How do we build our lives on Christ? You see, when he wrote to the, to the Galatians, he said, man, you started off in faith and now you're looking to works. You're looking to your own efforts. How do we build our lives on Jesus Christ? Do we do, we, do, we do it out of, of, of determination? And we say, I know I can do this. I know if I try hard enough, do we, do we look at the current trends of, of what is called Christianity in our culture? Do we say that's the, that's the benchmark or are we being led by the Spirit established by the Word of God? And he goes on to say, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, with silver, with with precious stones like marble and, and granite, wood, hay, straw. He's, he's, so he's using multiple building materials. He's talking about gold, silver, granite, and also straw and, and, and hay and wood. So he's speaking of a building and he's using this picture, this imagery. He's speaking of mixing inferior building materials 
with quality materials. He's like, you, you, you have to be careful that we don't mix some of the spiritual and some of the flesh and call it a building. Like, we don't build a beautiful building and fill the walls with cotton candy, right? That'd be pretty sweet, right? But it wouldn't be very effective. You see, godly elements and fleshly elements will be exposed one day. And this is what he's getting at. He said, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, capital D, the day will declare it. So what day is this that it's going to declare it, that it's going to be revealed? Well, the Word of God gives us insight into this. It's called Judgment Day. The Apostle Paul wrote in his second letter to the Corinthians in verse 10 of chapter 5, he said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The Word of God talks about two judgments that every human being will, will stand before. One of two judgments. One is the great white throne judgment. Those are for those who hear about Jesus and they reject Him. Or they want nothing to do with God. There's going to be a judgment day. It's called the great white throne judgment. We read of that in the book of Revelation. It's a judgment. But for those who have embraced Christ and He's truly the Lord and Savior of your life, you're truly born again and the Spirit of God lives within you. The Word of God says that we will all stand before the Christ as well. This is the judgment seat. It's called the Bema seat of Christ. And each one may receive, it says, the things done in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad. Because because it will be revealed by fire. And so the day will declare whether we are building by, by gold and precious stones or if we use straw and hay. He said because the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now this is the passage of Scripture that some churches develop the teaching of purgatory from. They say when you die, you go, to, you go to purgatory. And when you're in purgatory, the, the, like the junk gets burned away and you're pure before God then. Friends, this is really, really a major, major stretch of that passage of Scripture. Well, you see what he's, he's talking about? He's talking about something so much different. You see, he's talking about structures here. Now, if you go around the world, you'll see in different parts of the world, they build buildings to withstand the elements in that region. When we've gone on missions trips down to Pueblo, Mexico, the buildings were built to withstand earthquakes because there's earthquakes in Mexico. They were near, it's near a major volcano down there and, and it's made to withstand shaking of the earth. So there's, they were rated for that. If you go down to Florida or along the, the east coast or near the Gulf, a lot of the buildings down there are hurricane rated. Right? And they're to withstand the winds that, that pound against them through hurricanes which come through fairly regularly. And, so, so we, and, and everything that we build in our lives will be tested by fire. By fire. So we got earth, wind, and fire, right? Everybody under 40 is like, huh? Um, <laughs> but he's saying it's going to be burned away. It's going to be burned away. Everything that we have done from a, a, a selfish ambition, he said it's going to be gone. It's going to be burned. Whatever we've done out of, out of obligation or duty, and you all know why you're here this morning. 
Are you here out of obligation and you're thinking, you know what, I just can't wait till we're done and that last amen and I get to get out of here? God knows that. God knows that. He knows if we're here just to appease somebody and say, all right, I'll go to church. It'll make me look like a better mom or a dad or a husband or a wife. And it's just the right thing to do. It's I need to put in my, my time and I don't want people to talk about me. See, some people go to church for that reason. Some people go to church to, a, to, to numb the guilt from the, the prior six days. Right? Been there, done that. So then Sunday afternoon, you get to start a fresh week, and by Saturday night, you need to go to church again. Right? You see, the Lord knows the motives of our heart. He knows what we do out of fear. He knows what we do to try to impress people. He knows what we do to, to please people. He knows what we do out of insecurities. He, he knows if you've been good or bad, right? He knows if you've been sleeping, right? But he knows these things. He knows, he knows why I'm up here right now. He knows. He knows the thoughts. He knows the motives of my heart. You see, I could be up here, I could be up here telling this, this message and I could be sharing it because maybe because in my childhood I was told I was going to be a nobody. And so I was determined to be a somebody. I can assure you that's not the case. But there's pulpits that are filled with people who are filled with insecurity and so they get an audience. And they're fulfilling a longing that's been in their heart, but there's not a calling. And you see, those folks, when they stand before God one day, everything they did in ministry from, based from this self-centeredness is going to be wiped away. Everything that we do, that is, whatever is not done under the direction of the Holy Spirit will vanish in our lives. Everything. Every dollar that we put in the offering and we say, man, this looks good, or every hundred dollars or thousands of dollars, if it wasn't done with the right heart, God's going to say, that didn't mean anything to me. You see, God looks at the motives of our hearts. And he sees and he says, whatever isn't of me, whatever you did to, to bring some comfort to your life, it's going to be washed away. Actually, it's going to be burned. It's just going to go. And so he's saying, this is why he's saying, so make Make certain you know why you're building and how you're building your lives on this foundation. He goes on to say in verse 14, he said, if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he shall receive a reward. So there is a reward waiting. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as though as through fire. In other words, you're saved by the skin of your teeth. You're in. But after 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, you've got nothing other than I'm here. But Lord, I know you gave your life. I know you gave your everything. And yeah, I accumulated a lot of stuff and I had a good reputation, but none of it was for you. See, friends, that is, it's not like we're going to lose our salvation, but every one of us are going to have that moment where we stand before Jesus and and he's gonna, it's, everything's just going to be piercing right through us and everything's just going to go that wasn't motivated by our love for him and our gratitude for him. Everything, it's just going to go. And we'll, we'll stand there. I'm not saying we're just going to stand here naked, but it's, he gave everything. And he's looking into the core of our hearts. And he's saying, you'll be saved, but yet as through fire. 
And he wraps up this, this passage in the next few verses. He says in verse 16, Do you not know that you, that you are the temple, the building of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defies the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no one deceive himself. Let no one deceive himself. We can deceive ourselves, you bet. How does that work? It works, a thought comes into our head from the enemy. It talks about our worth, it talks about our value, it talks about our purpose, it talks about our destiny. A little thought comes into our head and, and we, we believe that, we own it, we embrace it and, it, and it changes the destiny of our lives. We can believe deception, that I'm no good, that I'm a failure, and we can deceive ourselves. So he says, let no one deceive himself. He said, if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, in other words, using the wisdom of this world, relying on your intellect, let him become a fool that he may become wise. So in other words, he's saying, don't pat yourself on the the back thinking your strategy and your agenda will build a godly legacy or make an eternal difference. He's saying, don't do that. He's saying, no, you need to humble yourself. He goes on to say in verse 19, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. Let no one boast in men. Don't put your favorite ministry up on a pedestal. Don't just long to hear your favorite pastor, your, the favorite evangelist, or the, your favorite. He's saying, don't, don't put them up there. Don't, that's, he's saying it's narrow-minded. Don't do this. He says, don't boast in, in men. For all things are yours. And this is a whole other sermon right here. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death. This is a powerful passage right here or things present or things to come all are yours this is what he's saying and you are christ and christ is god's so he's saying we're we're joint heirs with christ we have an inheritance he's given us something to build on we don't need to achieve anything for god we need to receive from god amen he's saying don't try to achieve receive and this is this falls in line with colossians chapter 2 In verse 6 it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted. He's talking about sinking your roots deep. And built up in Him. And established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And he says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him. You are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. So the question is, how are we building our lives on Christ? on this foundation? Is it in our own strength? Is it in sheer determination? Is it in our experiences? Is it it according to the traditions and philosophies of church? Is it according to, to what the pastor or the priest says? 
Is it according to our culture? Is it according to my feelings and and my emotions? You see, friends, our talents are not a firm foundation. Our giftings, our abilities are not a firm foundation. Our possessions, our jobs, our bank accounts are not a firm foundation. Our charisma, our experiences are not a firm foundation. Jesus Christ is. He is the foundation. You see, it's not a person's passion in their mind that establishes them for the long haul. It's the Spirit of God in them. And you see, without the Spirit of God in us, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. We see this as in, the, in the, the history of Israel. As a nation, they all came out of Egypt, right? And they come up to Egypt and they come to Mount Sinai and Moses goes up and he gets the, the law, the Old Covenant. There's over 600 rules and regulations and laws. It's, it's what we call the Old Covenant. It's what the Scriptures call the Old Covenant. And so they come down there with this, Moses comes down with these law and it says in Exodus chapter 24 and verse 3, So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. In other words, they had great intentions, but they weren't empowered by the Spirit of God to follow through. They were overconfident in what they could accomplish in their own strength. Friends, we walk in the flesh, but we don't war according to the flesh. We're in, we're in a spiritual battle that is opposing our, our, the construction of our lives. And we must, we must come against that opposition in a spiritual way. Our weaponry is, is mighty in God. We need divine power, not just the right program, not, not practices or momentum. Jesus was, was never moved by momentum. Jesus didn't need momentum. He had the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same with the early church. You see, it it wasn't on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't a, a polished preacher with convincing words that changed so many lives. It was the Holy Spirit. Amen? It was the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 3, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't momentum in the church that led thousands more to give their lives to Jesus Christ. It wasn't that. It was, it was simply the, the simple faith and obedience of two fishermen who reached out to a lame man and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. That's what changed everything. You see, that's what built people in the book of Acts. That's what built the church. You see, Peter knew this all too well. In fact, he was a walking illustration of how powerless a, a, a person is that builds their life on good intentions. The night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus was with an intimate setting with his followers, his disciples, and it says in Luke chapter 22, in verse 31, the Lord said to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, in other words, Jesus knew that he was going to ditch him, he was going to betray him, he was going to abandon him. He said, but when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And you know what Peter says? Peter says, Lord, 
I'm going to be with you to the end. I don't care if they throw me in prison. I don't care if they kill me. I will not leave you. Did Peter love Jesus? Absolutely he loved Jesus. Did he have good intentions? Absolutely he did. And yet Jesus says, you know what, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to die me three times. And a few, later, a few hours later, sure enough, you see Peter's zeal and his words demonstrate the foundation of good intentions doesn't cut it in the kingdom of God. Relying on how we feel at the moment is not a stable foundation. It's easy when we're together to say, yes, God is good, God is strong, and He is my rock, He is my foundation. But you see, sometimes it's a different story on Monday morning at work. Do we have that same foundation? You see, Peter felt so brave at that moment, but would soon be intimidated by a, a humble little servant girl and deny that he even knew Jesus. You see, at this point in Peter's life, he wasn't born again yet. He, he didn't have the Spirit of God living in him. He wasn't, he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the Scriptures weren't alive to him because he didn't know the author personally at this point yet. The Spirit of God wasn't in him. You see, a person with great zeal doesn't build the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit does. He builds the kingdom. You see, the Holy Spirit will cause our faith to remain strong. The Holy Spirit is the one who will will draw us back to Jesus when we fail, and we will fail. The Holy Spirit will empower us to not only be strong, and to have a strong structure in ourselves. But He will allow us to strengthen others and build others up. The Holy Spirit will increase our love for Jesus. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, is to draw us to Jesus. If somebody says the Holy Spirit was at work and Jesus wasn't glorified, it probably wasn't the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit elevates Jesus. Jesus said, He will magnify me. He will glorify me. And you see, He will anchor us to the rock of our salvation. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to to hear and to follow through with the Word of God. I close with a, a word that Jesus shared with His followers in Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, as for everyone who comes to me and he hears my words and and he puts them into practice, I will show you what what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep, who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the, 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 the torrent struck that house and that house stood strong. It was firmly embedded in a solid foundation. He says, that's the person who hears my word and does it. They're established. When the storms come, when the opposition comes, he said that will, they'll remain strong. And he goes on to say, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. In other words, let's just start building on top of the dirt. And he says, when the, the storm comes, and it's, the water struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was great. It was a house of cards. It came down. 
So I would challenge you this morning, or I would ask rather, about this foundation about building. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you need a foundation for your life. Maybe if you took a hard look and an assessment and you were honest with yourself, you might say, you know what, everything in my life has been built around myself. My education, my intelligence, my finances, my career, my job, my, my family, and that is my life. And friends, that's a shaky foundation. The Word of God says that, that the foundation we need for life is a person, his name is Jesus. And so maybe that's where you are this morning, and maybe you say, you know what, I've never really, I never really established my life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Maybe today's your morning where you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be my own God. I'm going to look to Jesus Christ and allow Him to be my anchor. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've been building your life on your own wisdom. And you're really convinced that it's, you played your cards right and, you, and you, you did things right and that's why you are who you are today. And you're thinking, you know what, I'm making something for myself. And, and maybe for you, you need a greater hunger for the truth. That without Him we are nothing. And so maybe it's a greater hunger. Maybe your prayer is, God, give me a greater hunger for Your Word. I, I need to be in Your Word so, so I recognize deception. You see, if you hire a bank teller, you don't hand them some counterfeit bills and say, here, get a good feel for these counterfeits. No, you give them the real deal. And they start handling cash day in and day out. And then, and then pretty soon they get a, a phony, a fake, a counterfeit. And they say, wait a minute, this one feels different. And you see, that's the way it is when we read our Bibles, when we get into the Word and we, we allow that truth to start to transform the way we think. And that's when the enemy interjects a lie into our minds and into our thinking. It's like, whoop, this does not align with what I've read. And so maybe for you this morning, it's, it's God, just give me a greater hunger for your Word so that I don't deceive myself into thinking that I'm somebody in and of myself. And perhaps... You're hearing the Word. Maybe you're reading your Bibles and you're, you're memorizing many passages of Scripture, and, but maybe you're not doing it. And friends, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm just saying that we can read the Bible. We can, we can fall in love with this book. This book can be idolatry. We can fall in love with this and not Him. This is a revelation of God. This isn't God. And some people can fall so in love with the Bible and they don't allow the Spirit to bring it to life and say, it's all pointing to me. That's what Jesus said. He said, you study the Scriptures and you think you've got, you find life in them. He said, all of the Scriptures point to me. And so maybe it's a, it's a, it's a sense of, I need to yield to the Holy Spirit so that He would empower me to follow through with what His Word says. And then we will have a solid foundation and we'll stand before the Lord one day and all of that stuff that would have been burned away will last. We could take our crowns and put them at the feet of Jesus and say, here you go. I ask that you would bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for 
not only creating us in your image, but you've given us a foundation to build our lives on. Jesus, we thank you for coming to, the, coming to this earth and humbling yourself and, and purchasing us by your blood if we allow you to. And so, Lord, I pray if there's even one person in here who has never said, Jesus, I'm yours. And right now, even in this moment, just like it happened earlier this week, someone said, Jesus, I'm yours. Take me. Use me. Transform me. Help me to build my life on you. Help me to allow you, rather, to build your life into me. Lord, give us a hunger for your word that we, would, that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. It would set us free from stress and anxiety and feeling pressured and overwhelmed to do something with our lives that we would stop doing and start being. Just allow you to manifest through us. So give us a hunger for your word. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to yield even greater depths to your spirit like never before, that we would not be just hearers of the word, but doers for your glory, for your kingdom, in your namesake. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.